And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be one body. It's supposed to be active. It's supposed to be advancing. And it's supposed to be preparing. The assemblies of God, our constitution and bylaws, defines the church, its mission, and its ministry as follows. Since God's purpose concerning man is to seek and save that which is lost, to be worshipped by man, and to build a body of believers in the image of his Son, and to demonstrate his love and compassion for all the world, the priority, reason for being of the assemblies of God as part of the church is to be an agency of God for evangelizing the world, to be a corporate body in which man may worship God, to be a channel of God's purpose to build a body of saints being perfected in the image of his son, and to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion for all the world. I love that. Church is not about checking an attendance box each week. It's not for different people to come in and just tolerate each other for a couple of hours and then go back to their real quote-unquote lives. Church encompasses many facets of the believers and not yet believers' lives. Did you know that the church is to be a hospital for the wounded? It's a gym to build up the saint. It's a school for learning about your faith, your purpose, your mission. It's a family where we belong. It's a storehouse of weapons and warriors, equipping the body to do all it's commanded. And it's a lighthouse for pointing the way to heaven our eternal safe harbor. The list could go on and on and on. Yet the church is not something we do. It's not something we go to. As the video says, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. I would pray that our church would not only do the right things, but that it would learn to do them in the acts, in acts of genuine love for God and for others. The early church in Jerusalem is an excellent example of a church body that is marked by love. Love for God, love for others. May we be characterized by the devotion, the awe, the generosity, and the joy that we see in the early church. For God's glory, not for a name over a building, but for God's name to be lifted up. For God's glory, so that the world may know, may see how much God loves them for the love we have for each other and for the world. He places that trust in us, his body. So again, over the next few weeks, we'll discover our role, our each individual role in becoming the church. So we're going to begin with number one. One body. I just love that Denny was sharing that. Even in taking communion, his, uh, he kept repeating, one body, one body. That's what we're talking about today. One body. So we're going to start by reading Romans chapter 12. 
I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to go back and we're going to um, look at each verse individually. Starting in verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to just seek your face today, to search your word today, and to apply it to our lives by your Holy Spirit. Let us be Doers and not just hearers of your word. Let us be all you created us to be. The exact representation of your body, God. Living sacrifices for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at these verses. You know, I love looking at each word, at, at each sentence, and really trying to gain the complete understanding in context. That's what the, the Bereans were um, exhorted for, that they didn't just receive the word, they didn't just sit there and listen to the apostle, apostles, but they went back and they studied it and searched it out. Is what they're saying, is it true? Is it living? Is it applicable? Can it be applied to my life? Yes, that I can do. And we're so commanded to do that. So let's look. Verse 1. Offer your bodies. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It says, in view of, in light of, as you understand God's mercy. Do you understand the sacrifice that was given for you? Then it says, this is reasonable. Think about it. He gave you his life. Why wouldn't you give your life? And he's not asking for you to nail yourself to the cross. He's saying as you live, a living sacrifice. I mean, there is a story of this man who brought his son to, to work. His four or five-year-old son to work. He was the uh, gatekeeper 
which uh, or a bridge keeper, whatever you called him, the guy that lifts the bridge up so the big ships could go under and then it went back down again and it was a bridge that trains would cross over. And so every day, you know, he just sat there and he'd get, you know, train is coming or, you know, boat is coming. He'd lift the bridge up or put the bridge back down. And so he brought his son to work. And his son was watching them. They were in that little thing. And all of a sudden, he started getting some phone calls. And he got busy. And all of a sudden, you know, radio, hey, there's a, there's a train coming. And he had had that up for a ship to come through, the bridge through. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's looking for his son. And he can't find his son. And he's running out of time. He's got to quickly put the bridge. So as he hit the button and he noticed that the bridge started moving, he's still looking for his son. As he caught a glimpse of his son, he was out there and he was playing under the bridge. And so he starts screaming to his son, you know, get back, get back, get out of there, get out of there. Because the bridge was going down. And in that moment, he had to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. He knew a train, a passenger train, train was coming. He didn't have time to put it back. He didn't have time to go get his son. And he sat there and he watched as the bridge came down. And as he weeped and cried, he knew what happened. He knew what happened. He watched as the passenger train just went by. And he could see into the cars. And all these people are eating and smiling and laughing. Not one of them understanding the sacrifice that was just made for their lives. And see, I think too often we as Christians don't think and don't complicate or, or contemplate the sacrifice that was made for us. And sometimes over the years we just treat it as, yeah, it was something he owed us. And it doesn't make sense to the Father heart of God who gave his best and so when he says, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercy, what he did to sacrifice his son, can you be a living sacrifice for him? He's not offering you. He's not asking you to offer your body, die on a cross like he died for you. He's just asking you, can you? Your reasonable act of service as worship to him, could you please Present your bodies as living sacrifices to him in light of God's mercy, in light of the great sacrifice that was given for you. Could you? Would you? Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. When you give your life to God, remember, as a living sacrifice, there is nothing of your old man that died with him that should be a part of your new man. Nothing. Nothing. I've said it over and over again. There should be a bloodline somewhere in your past. If you're a Christian or you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he lays down his blood in your life and says, now that old man is now dead buried and done away with now i give you boom new life new man you are now a new creature and from that point forward everything that once lived in your life is dead and you live a new life in him so he says stop going back to the grave and digging up the old man 
the things I laid down the blood for, laid down my son's blood for, so you keep crossing over and digging it up. And Hebrews says people that do that trample underfoot the blood of Jesus. What more can be done for them if they keep doing that? What a warning. You keep crossing over that bloodline and digging up things from your past. He says, there's, there's no sacrifice left for you. What more could I possibly offer you? So he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Don't offer. Don't offer anything. Romans 6.13 says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin. And into an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The same word transform there is the same word that Jesus, his appearance, looked like. He was transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration when they said that he, he, they were, Jesus was transformed before. It's the same word. Nothing of this world, everything of heaven upon him should be transformed. Transformed. But you cannot be while you are still conforming. Transformed and conforming are two separate things. That's why the big but is right there in the middle. But can't be conforming to the world and be transformed into the image of God. You have to die to that old man, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, think on things above, think on heaven, think on where you're seated with Christ. We talked about that the last two weeks, our identity in Christ, who we are. Then, then, see there has to be a do not conform, do not, but be transformed, then. Then you can test and approve. Try it out for yourself. I love that. Test and approve for yourself. And you'll know what God's perfect will is. His good, pleasing, go ahead, do it. You know what he's saying? As soon as you don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then everything God says, pick it up. God, you said if, then you will. God, I can do, this works. But there's an order. Do not conform any longer. Be transformed. Then you can. But people want to jump from I can climb in and out of that dead grave. And I can stand on God's promises. No. There's, a, there's an order here. Do not. But be. Then you can. Verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is not a roll around on the floor all the time. I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm a worm. No. We were encouraged in the pre-service prayer. God said, stop walking around. Timid. I did not give you a spirit of timidity. 
but of love, power, and a sound mind. We're seated with Christ on his throne at the right hand of God. We carry his crown. He said, I'll give you the shield of my victory. You know, that's not what... But it also says, don't think of yourself more highly. Think of yourself more highly than you ought. When what you are doing brings more attention to you than to God, you better be thinking about yourself. When what you are doing is done in your own strength and not God's, you better start thinking about yourself. Am I thinking too highly of myself? When what you are doing is distracting to what God wants to do, you better think about yourself. Then he goes on to say, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with. In accordance means in agreement with. Think of yourself in agreement with the measure of faith God has given you. Again, last two weeks we've been talking about who we are. In Christ. Think of yourself in agreement with what God said about you. And even when you think, oh, you know, like, I, can I really see myself wearing the crown of Christ? Can I really see myself sitting on the throne of Christ? Can I really see myself standing with the shield of God? Yes! Start saying it to yourself. Yes! In agreement with God. If you are in agreement with God, you're in disagreement with God. There's no gray area. So you either stand with him or you stand against him. Plain and simple. This world, the devil's preoccupation with the church is to toss them into confusion. And it's a lie. He's been doing it from the very beginning. Did God really say Yes! Did God really say you sat on the throne? Yes! Oh, so you're trying to act all, oh, Miss Holier Than Thou. Is that who you are? Yes! God said, I am your holiness. I am holy in you. That's how you can be holy as I am holy, because I am in you. Jesus prayed in John. My prayer is for them, not just for these, the disciples, but for them that will hear later through their message. That they'll be one as you. Jesus was praying this. As I am one in you, God, and you are one in me, that they will be one in us. Yes, I am the righteousness of God. I am in agreement with the faith that God has given you. You notice that? He gave you the faith to stand. He gave you the faith to come into agreement with. Just as our, verse 4, just as our physical body, just like our physical body has many parts, many members with different functions. I love that. Over and over and over and over again. I love how God uses creation to show you the creator. You know, we watched that uh, video, that little bitty snippet video of all the molecules and how our body works and how it all has to, all these molecules have to come to the laminin. 
that cell that, that tells every molecule in your body what to do, and it's in the form of a cross. And he orchestrated every little thing. It says in him and by him and for him and through him, everything was created. And so you look at the trees, you look at the birds, you look at, at nature itself, you look at your own body, and they all scream, Creator. And he said, I've, I've put the church together, the body of Christ together, just like your own physical body. Why? Because we can see it. It helps to see things. I'm a visual person. I like illustrations. Draw me a picture. Because if you don't draw me a picture, I can assure you I'm drawing one in my mind. And so hang on. I've got you pictures later on. I'm going to show you too. We'll sum up all these verses with pictures. Verse 5. So in Christ, listen, we are the body of Christ, but we are not without a head. Jesus is the head. So it says, in Christ, which means as you submit to your part in the body, come under his headship. Is that a word? It's now a word now. It's in the Brenda's Dictionary. Oh, it is a word. Thank you very much. Hey. So in Christ, those who come under the head of Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the others. I like this. You could almost go up to somebody in the body and ask them to do something. You know, hey, you know, we've got, oh, where's Pastor Denny? Hey, we've got school assemblies we need a lot of help with. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I got, I, I'm, I'm too busy this week. Really? Well, you're, you belong to me. Right? Oh, now you all got real quiet. And I need your help. So I need you to rearrange your schedule and come help me. Oh, well, you can't do that. That's how we're supposed to live. Belonging to one another. Oh, I'm sorry, you need help? Oh, I'm sorry, you need some cash? You know, I was really, you know, saving up for that. But if you need it, here it is. In the book of Acts, what did the first church do? Sold everything. Why? So they could all share with each other. Nobody had any need. Oh, well... Don't ask me to do that. I'm not. God is. Anyway, each member belongs to all the others. You are not your own. You are a living sacrifice, the body of Christ. I mean, I saw Joyce Meyer. She's so funny. I had to stop watching her because she was always preaching my messages right before I preached them. I'm like, sick of this lady. Stop listening to her. Now people just tell me, I just heard that from Joyce Meyer. I'm like, anyway. But I watched her one time some years ago, and she was given an illustration of the body and how different parts, and, you know, they all don't play the same function, but and how it, how it correlates with the, the body of Christ and how sometimes we get jealous of other people and what they're doing, and we think, well, my, you know, all I do is, look at all I can see of Karina is from her nose up. That is Karina, isn't it? Okay. You know, she's not on stage and she could step back there. Oh, but Amy gets to be up here every week. And, you know, everybody sees her outfit. Nobody sees my outfit. She probably wears pajamas half the time. You just don't even know. 
right? Yeah, well, she's like, I didn't think about that. But Joyce Myers goes into, you know, it's, it's, as, it's as foolish when we, the body, get jealous or bent out of shape over somebody else's ministry or function. It's like, you know, the ring or the finger saying, uh, you know, I love the ring and look how beautiful. And the eye says, oh, I'm jealous of the finger, always gets to wear the pretty jewelry. And she said she took off her ring and she put it on her eye and the eyes are like, yay, I get to it. Well, now she can't see. You know, or the hand saying, I never get to wear the cute shoes that the feet do. And she put the shoes on the hands and, you know, it's silly. It really is silly that we're a body. We're supposed to be what? Belonging to each other. And every part has its own function. I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, the whole body, each belongs to the other. First Corinthians 12. 15 through 26. I mean, it goes right along. Now, if the foot said, should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Can you imagine the foot just, you know, walking off saying, I'm <laughs> right. I'm not going to work anymore. I want to be a hand. It's foolish. It doesn't happen that way. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Remember. You were created with plans for your life, with a specific purpose for your life. Even before you took your very first breath, he knew exactly where he needed you placed in the body. And we're going to see he gave you the gifts. He gave you the grace. He gave you the faith, gave you everything you need to accomplish what he purposed for your life as your part in the body. Goes on to say, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Right? There would be no body. It'd all just be one big ear laying over there. A big ear wouldn't even need a head. Because it just wants to all be the ear. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. One body. Remember, we're talking about the first aspect of what the church should be. One body goes on to say in verse 21 that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker and are very indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. You don't walk around naked. We don't want to see it. Cover it up. That's what he's saying. You treat it with special attention. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. You know, we could not do what we do today without all the people that you see or that you never see. You know, the podcast that goes out, the message that goes out online would never happen without the 
eyeballs that you see just above that shelf back there. You wouldn't see this, this beautiful graphic here, you know, but for the people before you even got here that was making sure the projector was running. God gives greater honor to those parts that lack it, that lack the, you know, standing on the stage and being in front of everybody all the time. Verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I'll tell you, I physically hurt when there's something left undone on Sunday morning. The first thing I think of is who was supposed to do that? What happened? Where are they? Wonder what's wrong? Where are they? Verse six going on. We have different gifts, different gifts. Didn't say different people. We're all supposed to belong to one another. We're all supposed to be one body. We're, we have different gifts though. One body with different gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 17 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. If your gift is just to edify yourself, then it's, I'm not going there. Anyway, it's for the common good. Your gift is to be used for the common, the common, everybody else, the body. Again, here's that same word, in accordance with, in agreement with the grace. Here it is. He gave you faith. Now he gives you grace. In agreement with the faith and in agreement with the grace God has given us. To learn the definition of grace, God's grace, it's wise to understand the Greek and the Hebrew words behind them. A prominent Old Testament word describing God's grace speaks of deliverance from enemies, deliverance from affliction, deliverance from adversity. It also denotes enablement, daily guidance, forgiveness, and perseverance and preservation. The New Testament word focuses on the provision of salvation. See, grace is not just, oh, God's smiling at me. Simply put, grace means God's love in action towards men who merited the opposite of love. But God's given you that grace. Now you need to operate in agreement with that grace, in agreement with God's love in action towards men, whether they merit it or not, whether they deserve your love or his love or not. You have to use your gifts in agreement with God's love in action towards men. And then he goes on to say, let them use it. Use what? Their gift. We're talking about the gift given to them. In proportion to his faith. There it is again. In proportion to, in agreement with, along beside the grace, the faith that God gives you. The gift he gives you. 
He gives you the faith. He gives you the grace. He gives you the gift. And he said, now use it. Right? I've told you the story how my grandma Samson used to fuck me. All these gifts were given to her over all the years. And I mean, I was young and staying at with her one year and she was she was getting old. I mean she was probably fifty. No, anyway, still she was she was old. And I was staying with her and it was her birthday or whatever and so there was gifts on her table after the party and I was staying the night with her and I watched her as she was taking those gifts, turning them over in their box and everything, and writing people's names on the bottom that had given them the gift. And then I watched her as she went to this huge closet in the middle of her house, opened it up. Here's all these gifts still wrapped up in plastic and stuff and boxes and put them in there. And I went, Grandma, what is this? I mean, it was like, you know, hey, you know, I just wanted anyway. And I said, what, what are all this? She goes, well, it's all the gifts that people have given me over the years. I write their name on the bottom. So after I die, they can have them back. given you a gift. He doesn't just want it back. He wants you to use it. Open it up. Use it for the body. Use it. Whatever it is. Encouraging. He, he goes through a list of things. Serving. Teaching. Contributing. Whatever it is. Just use it. God gave it to you. Not for you to sit on a shelf and return to him. You know like hey that was the talent right there wasn't it? When the king gave to some five, some to, and some one, and the one that went and buried it, he just wanted to return it back to the master. What did he say to him? You wicked, lazy servant. And he didn't say, now enter in to the joy of the fire. No. He's like, get out of here, man. I gave you something and you buried it? You never used it? Get out of here, wicked, lazy servant. He gave you a gift. You better be using it for his body. Every part needs the other parts to function. I mean, I know. Have you ever had something in your body? I'll tell you lately, last few days, there's one of my toes that are demon possessed. And at the altar time, I need that prayed for. Because every once in a while, out of the blue, it will just head that way. You ever have one of those cramps in your toes? This, and I scream at it, where are you going? Get back in line. Do you understand we do that in God's body? When we have our own agenda, our own idea of what we should do. It's like that cramped toe that just heads off. It hurts the whole body. I'll tell you, at dinner time, I mean, I threw my chair back, grabbed my foot and picked up that I'm screaming at my toe. Get back in line. And the boys are like... Are you going to wash them hands when you're done? <laughs> yes! I'm doing business here. I'm speaking to that toe. Get in line. I'm speaking to you. Get in line. Get back into your place in the body. Plug in and use your gift. The whole body's suffering. I want to summarize the scripture that I just read with pictures. I told you I would have pictures. I've got pictures. So let's, here's a summary of the scriptures we just used. And when I got, when God downloaded this message to me, it was on a napkin. I was just having, having devotion that morning with God. 
And yes, I know I could have got up and went and grabbed one of my 50 journals that I, you know, have. But I just grabbed the closest thing, which was a napkin. I mean, it was like coming that fast, and I just started scribbling down these things. And it was coming to me in a mathematical equation formula. And I'm like, how does that even make sense? But, it, you know, and I'm unfolding the napkin, and it was one of those cheap Meyer napkins, too. And I, now, now I'm doing better. I buy the good ones in case God downloads any more. I can really write over it because I was, like, poking holes through this thing. But this equation, it says the first part here is each person, right there, there's an individual. When you add to you, you, God faith, he said, I've given you my faith, then you will be an individual full of God faith. Are you all following? Y'all tracking with me? That's not too deep, right? This is almost algebra. Well, all the body has all different gifts. And he said, if you use it in proportion, in agreement with the grace, what was grace again? Love in action. God's love in action toward men. If you use all those gifts in proportion, then you'll be a grace-gifted body. You understand that? It will be a whole body moving in agreement with God's love in action for men. What was the final one? No, there's not. I'm sorry. I have more, don't I? Oh, so, okay, here we go. So now we put those things together. An individual full of God faith, use that with the gifted body, the whole grace gifted body. And you start moving in agreement with, again, all the members moving in agreement with together. Then you will be the church as one body. Then you become the one body of Christ. But here's your warnings before we go. If you're thinking only of yourself. Notice how his head got a lot bigger. If you're thinking of yourself only, you will end up hurting the body. You'll be that one cramping toe. The next one, if you're thinking of yourself only, you will break down the church. The body of Christ breaks down when you're thinking only of yourself. See, you belong to each other. You all have a specific function in the body. And the body hurts when you're not plugged in and doing your part. I'll tell you, I hear it all the time from volunteers, you know. Don't ask us to do one more thing. We can't do it anymore. You know why? Statistics are that 10 to 15% of the church body is actively involved in ministry. So 80 to 90% are not actively plugged in to their part in the body. So the body is trying to operate on only 10%. Of itself could you imagine what would that look like in a fit that would be who we would consider uh, a paraplegic the body is going around like a paraplegic because only 10 to 15 percent are doing their part in the body that's sad how does that shout God's glory 
God's mercy to the world, God's love, God's grace. When we are functioning at 10% or 15% of the body's capacity. God gave me an acronym for the body in closing. B, building up the saints of body. B is building up the saints. O is one. We have one purpose. We have one mission. One. D is devoted. We are devoted to God. We are devoted to each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. We're devoted to God and to one another. And we're yielded to Christ as the head. The body. Body. Building up. One in purpose, one in mission. Devoted to God, devoted to one another. And yielded to Christ the head. And on the graphic, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. No one excluded. Oswald Chambers says, When once we lose sight of the vision of God, we begin to be reckless. We cast off certain restraints. We cast off praying. We cast off God in the little things and we begin to act on our own initiative. If we are eating what we have out of our own hand, if we are doing things on our own, just taking care of ourselves without expecting God, God's told us what to do. God's commanded us what to do. Without expecting God, we are on the downward path and we have lost God's vision. If you're a Christian, you're here for a purpose, for a mission. The Great Commission. Nothing else. And you're like, well, I have a job, I have a family, I have children. All resources. I'll put under your care for that mission, for that purpose, for that great commission. Do you understand it's in alignment with that God isn't part of your life? Should be God, your life, your family, your job, all in, all under. He's the head. You're the body. Your family isn't separate then. It's not a, you know, now I'll go do my life. Your work week isn't separate then, and, and, you know, God's over here on Sunday. A body means it's all together. You can't pluck yourself out and pull yourself away. I was praying over the altar time. God, tell me, how do you want me to close this? How do you want me to end this? And he gave me Second Chronicles 7.14. If, if, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, would pray, would seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then then his promise is, 
He'll hear, He'll forgive, and He will heal. But the if comes before the then. The if is our part. The then is God's promise. So if I can get you to stand, I'm going to let you just do that. Because it's not about me. It's not about the altar team. It's not about Amy singing the right song. It's about you and God. Christ is the head of you, the body. And let me just say before I, I open up the altars, if you're here and you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, don't leave today without doing that. You have not been promised the next minute. We have not been promised the next minute. We're supposed to be living every day like Jesus could come at any second. But preparing, planning, and living and doing things as if we have a lifetime still. Do you understand the difference? It means make sure you're ready at every moment. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. But I want to open up the altars today. For you that wants to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today or come back under Christ as, as the head, to spend time. Spend time with him today. But I need to open up the altars because for too long the church has been doing her own thing. All as different parts thinking, well, you know, I'll just do my thing and, you know, I don't care what that person is doing or what that person is doing. I just need to tolerate you guys for a couple hours and, you know, once a week. We need to repent. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Let me ask you, how can you humble yourself? By coming to God, getting on your face before him. By coming to another brother or a sister and saying, will you pray for me? That's humbling. That's humbling. That's how we humble ourselves. And he goes on, would pray. You need to spend time in prayer. Seek his face, not his hand. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, seek his face and turn from your wicked ways. Then he will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal. So if you don't, he won't. If you don't, he won't. So Father, right now, we just close the service by opening up these altars right now. As I know that you directed me to give this altar call with the Second Chronicles 7.14. God, you're calling us. Your Holy Spirit is drawing us and compelling us. Don't wait. Don't wait. What are you doing? If you would, just humble yourself. If you would come up. If you would just pray. If you would just seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. God, your word is, is living and active. And it's, God, I can feel you just compelling and drawing men. God, do that, Lord. Continue to just do that. Continue to draw us, draw us, draw us.
So I'm just going to ask Amy to just start praying. Would you just please find a spot and just do that? Just 